Hi there, this week I had the pleasure of having Fontaine's DC in the studio, one of Ireland's hottest bands, of course, in fact, the hottest band in the country right now, and deservedly so. They were in for a chat and picking some tunes. We talked about all sorts of things, their influences, life on the road, how important their friendship is to creating the brilliant sound that they have, and a whole lot of other things as well. Here's the podcast of the highlights. Enjoy. I'll be back, as always, on Monday at 9pm. The Paul McLean Show on Today FM. Fontaine's DC on Today FM on vinyl. How do you think it's sounding? It's sounding wonderful, man. It's the first time I've ever heard it on vinyl. Yeah, That's nice and loud in yeah. the studio, as it, as it must be. Are you going to have one of those little instructions on your album cover saying, for best results, play loud? I think that's a word I'm out sort of... Uh to say, you know, I mean, I think we're gonna run around all of Dublin and tell people to listen to it. <laughs> Have you got the album yet? Do you want yeah. it? It's too late, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we can't, we can't make any edits to the, the way the vinyl looks. No, uh, it's too late to scribble it on the back cover. Yeah. Uh, welcome once again, Fontaine's DC here playing some of their own music, playing uh, some other people's music that they like. And uh, where do you start? It's only well, it's not even a year since the Connolly's uh show in Lep. You remember that? You played oh, yeah, first. that was a good night. Actually, we met um, we met Sam in um. Except South by Southwest. Oh yeah. 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 How yeah. is he? He's good. Yeah. yeah How's he's... his mustache? Still very, very twisty. Very impressive mustached man. Yeah, that. Yeah. No, it has to be said. Um, how was South by Southwest? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was good. It's good week of fun and hard work. And, and how many shows did you have to do in a, in a week? Oh, we had to do uh, nine. We had six days, nine shows. Nine shows in six days. It was fun though, you know. Yeah, I enjoyed every second of it. Got to see some really good bands. You get well. you get yeah. addicted to that level of uh, adrenaline and that like level of uh, you know um, sort of uh, intensity, like you know what I mean. And uh, after after it's all over, you kind of go home and it become like it's it's six o'clock all of a sudden, and you're yeah. walking in your gaff, you know, clapping your hands and grabbing onto things like you know <laughs> emphatically, like look for something to do, you know what I mean. It all so becomes a bit disorienting. So it's kind of like a feedback loop. It kind of just feeds on itself. It's like a chain reaction. Yeah, yeah, and like it just feels like um, an environment in which you can kind of like, uh, you know, go deeper and deeper and further into in, into these like levels of uh, intensity and kind of mania. Like, and it's like it's very interesting after a while, you know. Um, as a sort of social experiment, I'd rather it was done to a hamster than myself. Yeah, but uh, it's still an interesting thing, you know. Was that your was that your first South by Southwest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I did that three years straight. Um, not as a band now, not as a singer, but um, with with the station, with the show, and uh, I mean, even in that capacity, it's a bit exhausting. It just seems like massive and huge, and there just seems to be so much noise. And it's it's really exciting for a couple of days, and then after a while, I was kind of starting to get a bit like a bit frazzled by it. Mm. Did, that didn't happen with you? No, not really. Not until the end. I mean, it was just. I feel like after the last gig, it's when your mind allowed. Your yeah. body to do that, you know, to just kind of like when stop. the bell rings, like you know, what I mean? when, yeah. the, when, when, the, when the bell rings, the body quits, like you know, what I mean? but before then, it's all go. Well, uh, I know that feeling, yeah. yeah. I, do, I do know how that goes. Uh, Curly, you said you said so you saw some great bands yeah. over there. Who, who stood out? Um, one of the bands that like I really wanted to see, I've seen before, but uh, Black Angels, do you know that band? No, uh, they're like a psych band, they're actually from Austin, uh, they're on the same label as us, they've been, they've been around for like a good few years, they have about five albums, but um. Yeah, they played a really, really good show at Empire, and then um, yeah, it was so long as well. It was like two yeah, it was hours. Like two hours. Yeah, and we were we were about to leave, and then um, they started like they played like me and Carlos's and Tom's favorite songs. So we were literally at the door to leave, and we had to turn back. But um, yeah, there was like got to see the OCs. 
They're amazing. Oh, brilliant, yeah. yeah like Do they still have t- they have two drummers? Do they still yeah, have two drummers? Yeah. And like, I, I kind of thought that that would be gimmicky. and No, no. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's hypnotizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there's a new band as well called Pottery who just signed to our, our to Partisan. And they're really, really cool. A band from, was it Montreal? From Canada? Yeah. Warm Drag as well. Warm Drag, yeah. Just a lot of... Jeez, must have, it must be non-stop. You saw all these bands, and you had to do ten, what nine gigs in six days yourselves. You must have, you just didn't get any sleep. No, I mean we got more than usually, to be honest. Because <laughs> everything started kind of like you didn't have to go in t- in there until one or so, so you got the morning to sleep. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and where did you stay? Were you put up, or did you have hotel a hotel or what it was, was a small it? Airbnb just outside uh, the city? Because there are people over there that kind of, that's what they do. They kind of put bands up, you know. Yeah, yeah we um, heard about all that, but we didn't want to go do that because we did want to sleep. So <laughs> we just got our own place. Do you think there might be partying going on in these kind of... I'd say so, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you wouldn't be having any of that. Not at your age. And uh, how were the shows received? I mean, obviously, um, a lot of people who already know uh, who you are, which is a lot of people now at this stage, um, but was there uh, was there much feedback from? I saw David Frick, the great uh, oh, yeah. respected New York journalist. He he wrote a rave review. Was was that the general kind of impression? I hope so. Yeah. Um, you I didn't saw, get much feedback out there at the time. I saw David Frick uh, from the stage a couple of times, and um, he and I had this uh, this 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 lovely kind of. Um, um, eye contact sort of thing going on, you know, and uh, right. I, I, I kind of, like, t- to the point where, like, it's happened so often now, uh, he's been at a show and we haven't spoken and uh, it's just been that moment, you know, on stage and stuff like that. I don't really want to kind of, like, um, like breach that relationship, you know. Right. I, I, think, I think it'd be beautiful if the two of us, like, lived and died without actually ever speaking to each other. We only saw each other from the stage and had this kind of, like, knowing glance. Although I don't I don't have a clue what he knows. Yeah. I mean, but, um, yeah, it was I nice to there. I mean, he's a he's a he's a great journalist. So he obviously did his homework, but he seemed to he, he seemed to pretty much know know his stuff in terms of. But I mean, the main thing was it was it was a great review from a very esteemed writer. You know, well, yeah, I was yeah. and he looks like a Ramon as well. So. He does. Does yeah. he still yeah. have that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it was great to have that connection. Mind you, some of my best friends are music journalists, and I actually refused to make eye contact with them. To be honest with you, yeah. well, they might write about it, Paul. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what your eye contact does, you know? And, uh, well, the basilisk stare. <laughs> Come on, we're getting through it all tonight. Basilisk, vampires, you name it. Yeah. Um, so, Doggerel, uh, sounding great. Um, it, I got the impression, because I bumped into you. Who was it, who was it I bumped into? Uh, was it yourself, Diego, I bumped into just before you went over to record it? Yeah, yeah, we bumped into each other outside P-Max. At the bottom of the street, yeah, yeah near yeah. the studio here. And... You obviously hadn't gone to record it at that point because you were telling me you were heading off the next day, and then it seemed like it was done. In I mean, was it done very quickly, or was that just my impression? Yeah, uh, yeah, we recorded in two weeks, so we recorded um, the whole thing in the first week, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, we recorded the whole thing in the first week, and then sent the, spent the second week doing overdubs and mixing it and stuff like that. Yeah, and this was with which producer was this? Uh, it was with Dan Kerry, Dan Kerry, studio in Streatham in London. Yeah, yeah, and was it pretty much kind of one take? Down, that was it. All, all in one go, or yeah. I mean, we recorded it all live um, to tape. So uh, the the reels of tape were fifteen minutes long. So we did it in three song blocks. Right. And if uh, yeah, so we just recorded straight through um, in rapid succession. Very impressed. Fair play, these. 
That's, that's, that's not how it normally goes, I can say. Well, not in my experience, anyway. We just want to say, if there's any mistakes in the album, that's there on purpose. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to say. Keep the mistakes I mean, in. That's a stylistic uh, you know, choice. You that's know? one of Brian Eno's weak cards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're the same as Brian Eno. Keep the mistakes. Yeah. Um, we shall talk again and more about Doggerel and uh, the making of Doggerel and everything else that you're up to and have been up to. But first, I'm going to take the first uh, music choice uh, from you. And I'm delighted because it's the Velvet Underground. That always makes me delighted. So that's it. You know, it could be anything for them. Uh, I Can't Stand It uh, from VU. Who's chosen this? Is it a collective choice? It's a big tune in the van, you know, when we're driving around. Very important um, to have the tunes in the van. Yeah, mm. and it's it's one of the tunes that we'd play if we were, if we were feeling a little bit lacklustre maybe before a show. Like, you know I mean, we always stick it on to kind of like get ourselves into the gear. And um, there's something about, there's something about the, the sort of like a discordance between the two guitars and like, you know, the, like, the, the drums are straight all the time, but there's this like amazing groove that kind of happens and then doesn't happen the next second. Like it's all it's all so live. It's kind of like dipping your head into it for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I mean it is that thing that we were just saying. That sort of it's got that live in the studio feel. And the funny thing about I can't stand it is it 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 wasn't released for years. It only eventually came out like nearly twenty years after it was yeah, recorded yeah, on VU. Yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous, really. Compilation, pretty much. Such a great. Song. I mean, Lou Reed did his own version, but it's not as good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's take the Velvets. I can't stand it. It's Fontaine's DC, first choice of the evening on Today FM. Ah, it just doesn't get much better than that, really, does it? The Velvet Underground, I can't stand it. I thought it was all right. Preferred Tim Curry. Um, that was an obscure cinematic reference there. <laughs> Fontaine's DC and uh, their first choice uh, of the evening. The Velvets, there, is there a band that, uh, that you can take remotely seriously that don't love the, the Velvets, I suppose, but are they uh, a big influence on what you guys decided you were going to be? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the best music to turn to when you're stuck, uh, especially in arrangement, you know, like you're arranging songs. Mm. You can go anywhere, but like you kind of like if you ever just think of Velvet Underground, you're probably gonna get the right idea. Yeah, yeah. Never a better band to dissolve the barrier between high and low art as well. Well, that's that's very true. I mean, especially in their earlier kind of the, the earlier phase of their career, I suppose. Yeah, and um, that whole world. I mean, it's a very um, it's a very evocative, heady kind of thing. I know there's some movie about Nico coming out or whatever, but they. Uh, they always get it so wrong in those movies. Maybe they'll get it right this time around. I don't know. It's always one of those places, you know, you get asked that question if you had a time machine, where would you go? And where, um, when and where would you go? That would be me. Uh, New York about 1966. The Max's yeah. bar. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Max's bar. Max's, the factory, that whole bit. Yeah, that Stay would be Stay there my, for 10 years. Yeah, I might do it, you know. I might do it. I've stuff going on in the shed. <laughs> Let us know, man. Us <laughs> well, I'll bring his. I'll bring yeah, his. Yeah, yeah, he can be our war. Yeah, it's only a three-seater, though. <laughs> Paul McClune, supporting Irish music. Today FM. They were just about to release one of the great debut albums of all time, Fontaine's DC. Uh, Doggerel, of course, out on April 12th. And I see it's complete coincidence. I had Gang of Four lined up anyway. Uh, but you guys were playing with them recently in Liverpool, the, the Six Music thing. Uh, we were playing with them in Liverpool. There, there was one original member um, he, was play- he was the guitarist. Yeah, Andy Gill, I think. Yeah, and the rest of them were, were, were young fellas. And they did a pretty good job, like, you know? Yeah. Pretty good. Um, 
it's it's quite bizarre to see tunes like you know damaged goods being played with like a different singer and stuff like that but yeah still pretty cool to be playing with them you know yeah i know i've been i've been inflicting that feeling on people for 20 years <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> eventually they get used to it you think but you know what they don't <laughs> oh we will um how was that generally the, the the sex music thing was it a huge big thing in liverpool it seemed uh yeah it seemed pretty big um it was very like it was enjoyable um we kind of the, the stage sound just kind of like it wasn't the same as it was at soundcheck and we all got off stage thinking it was a horrible gig and then we we listened listened back to it yeah and the sound is unbelievable so i don't know how they did it but uh sounds unbelievable well i suppose that's the thing you can't always tell you know the monitors it's not your usual setup or you rush through it or you don't maybe get a lane check if you're lucky or whatever and then you just got to trust in the in the front of the house doing the doing the trick which it usually does to be fair especially with guitar bands i think you know it has to go pretty badly wrong before it's mm. and it's always amazing as well i i my experience anyway sometimes the the shows you, you sort of think you go off stage thinking that ah, wasn't so that wasn't so good we weren't really we weren't really great there, and people that were there just tell you a completely different story. Their yeah. their perception of it's like it's yeah. amazing, you know. Yeah, like th- th- there's an extra level of caution uh, that comes with playing a gig that you don't think is going well. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of like you, you start to like take care of it in a yeah in in, in a kind of more like um like paternal sort of way. Like I mean, like you're you're kind of you're kind of like uh you're, you're treating a gig like a sort of injured animal. You know what I mean? And you're and you're you're taking a lot of care with it. Like you know what I mean? So I I wasn't personally as a as a performer and stuff like that. I wasn't really getting as carried away with it as I would normally when I was very confident about the sound and stuff like that. I was kind of, I was treating the vocals and, and, and the, the overall sound of it a bit more meticulously, like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did that because I think it sounded really good, you know? Um, it's kind of like when you're, when you're in a conversation and, and, and you feel like you've said something bad, even though it hasn't offended anyone, and then from then on you kind of like, you, you've got this extra level of care, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I mean, kind of, yeah. That, that was a question I meant to ask you, actually, all, all of you in general. You've been playing together now. It's been uh, so many shows in 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 such a comparatively <coughs> short space of time, mm. um, a lot of uh, like a lot of gigs, um, and that's obviously going to make you very tight. That's going to make you tight as a as a unit. It's going to obviously hone your your actual playing uh, just in general as well as well as how you actually play together. But I mean, that's an example of another little kind of thing that you learn along the way. Maybe mm. kind of you know a certain approach to the vocal. Have you? Have you felt that you've learned a lot as musicians in this short space of time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, me personally, you just become every like you know you, what you're doing just becomes a, an extension of yourself. You know, because you do it so much. Um, so I don't know. It feels just it always felt kind of natural, but it just feels even more natural. You know. Yeah, it Carlos. Does, I mean, especially with you, Carlos, because you, when you get into it, you really, you, you really let, let rip. You know, yeah. and you're kind of you're very physical, very energetic, and there's a bit of a. Is there a line you have to walk there sometimes? Is that part of stagecraft where you're kind of losing it, but you can't completely lose it because you still got to, you know, you still got to play. Yeah, but there's, yeah. ex- but there's this abandon that wants to kind of take over. Yeah, that happens. Um, but and to be honest, it's like South by Southwest. I noticed that I just kind of like that. Uh, you know the line of me like kind of starting to really get into the zone of it just after every gig because it was in such quick su- succession um it just it kind of like happened i was just in the gig mm. uh from the moment it started you know and uh it usually takes me a little bit more but uh yeah yeah i just find like i'm enjoying the gigs a lot more because i'm they just feel a lot more natural now, uh, nowadays um they always kind of felt good you know but now it just i don't know feels like eating a really good meal yeah, the tra- I mean, I've been saying this in, in in general about the band on air that the trajectory of things has seems to have been going very 
I mean, it's it's developing quickly, and it's and it's it's quite a gradient in terms of the progress that you're making in the, in in the length of time. But it also seems quite natural and quite you know you, you seem to be going the right things seem to be happening at the right time. Has it, yeah. Diego, has it been a comfortable kind of experience? Has it been disconcerting? Is it disorientating sometimes? Um, there's there's trials that come with with it as well. I mean, certainly our tour in January in Europe. Was, proved a bit testing in terms of learning to manage stress and um, to take it a bit more professionally because when you're young lads in a band you, you, you go and you do your gigs and you have the crack and you go drinking and all this kind of stuff it's very difficult to do a press day in Paris in 12, hour, or 12 hours um, when you're all hung over to bits yeah. and so um, it's a transition in our lives between um, something that was more of a hobby to uh, like a career which yeah, is, which is incredibly inspiring and beautiful thing to happen, but uh, there's also realities that come with that, you know. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm getting at. It, it has become this thing that's that's suddenly the main thing in your life, and it's working, and it's you know, which is wonderful and brilliant. And you have you know, bigger shows, bigger crowds. You got you you've got a record deal, all all, all this wonderful stuff that bands really any band that's remotely serious they're all that's what they're after that's what they're dreaming of but the reality of it must be quite a it's quite a deal for a for, I mean what age are you how old are you 25 yeah you know that's young yeah I mean it's just great <laughs> <laughs> you know um, it's the stuff of dreams um, I don't know really what else to say yeah. yeah it's like I mean it's a lifestyle that like it's completely different to anything you're brought up to expect you yeah know? like you're brought up to expect to you know, in an ideal world to have like a safe job that you're gonna have for, you know, forever, hopefully. And that and then you're brought up to expect that you're gonna have a home, a nice home that you like and mm. and that you're gonna live with like a partner or whatever and that's it's just the complete opposite to all that, you know? Yeah. Um, do you know so do you know what's interesting as well is is like you're you're sort of like you you're forced to, to um sort of grow up um, in a, like a sort of accelerated environment, like yeah, I mean, like you're, you're like you're forced to confront yourself, um, more more head on every day, um, via like you know reading interviews with yourself or like just kind of like being put in the spot all the time and 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 seeing yourself on camera, yeah, in a way that doesn't necessarily look like, you know, uh, you know you as you envisage yourself when you're when you're six years old and you dreamt of being a musician and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So you're kind of like put through put through this kind of a uh, mill of like self acceptance very very quickly. I think it's. I think if you approach it very well, um, it can be good for your for your mental health in the long run, you know. But it's just a lot to take on very quickly, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's really my point. I, I funnily enough, I was having a conversation with uh, someone else who's a performer in a completely different uh, context to anything that I do, we do, um, and he was asking me, "Do you watch yourself?" On video, he actually just said that with no context, and I didn't know exactly what he meant for a second. <laughs> do, do you watch yourself? But do you watch yourself back on video? I was going, uh, what, what do you mean? No, no, I have Netflix. But he was talking about performing, and you know, because you do, uh, particularly these days, it's it's you know, it's all on YouTube, and people people, you know, they like to be, they like to send it to you, and they like to share it with you. They go, I was at the gig, uh, such and such a place the other night. It was great, really enjoyed it, and they send you. Mm. They send you this clip of yourself, and sometimes I'm just watching it like through, through the, you know, through my fingers because I just find it. I I get very uncomfortable having yeah. to kind of well, like if, re-engage if, with something I've done, and that was it, and then I got to watch it again. Like if if you're if you're not exposed to yourself as you really are, yeah, um, on a on a sort of like a on a frequent basis, 
there's still there's still ample room for you to imagine yourself to be something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we're, we're not really able to imagine ourselves to be anything else anymore because we're confronted with ourselves all the time, from you know through video or or even uh, you know this album. You know what I mean? So uh, we're basically being put in a position where we have to accept ourselves as we are or um, freak out. You know what I mean? Not to get all chic on it. No. But, uh, you know what I mean? no, but but don't freak out. Whatever you do, yeah, terrible uh, song. <laughs> we will play another song. Actually, the man, uh, the man who's uh, Roy's tune, um, uh, that, that's Curly, right? Unfortunately, he's had a, yeah. he's had a, he's got a bit of, uh, you know, that personal life thing of his that he's got to get back mm. to this evening. So yeah. he's, he's he's had a head on. Classic um, it is. It's a beautiful song. Uh, actually, do you know what? Let's listen to it. We'll then we'll have uh, Curly's contribution. Paul McLoon supporting Irish music today. Yeah. FM. Gorgeous Roy's tune and uh, that is from Doggerel, the debut album by Fontaine's DC. Uh, four of whom are still with me and uh, the gentleman who wrote that uh, unfortunately had to go early. Uh, so uh, sorry uh, that Curly's not here to talk about the song but that means you you can talk about the song Diego instead. Was it important for you because you're a band in the, the, first, the first couple of singles introduce you as this you know very energetic and kind of low, not not necessarily aggressive in a negative connotation of that but you know full on kind of band and it reminds me of certain other kind of debut records the one that immediately springs to mind is is uh, Suede and maybe the Smiths as well to an extent where they had these kind of early singles that were quite fast and high energy and then the albums received the, revealed themselves to be much more kind of varied in terms of mood and pace was that an important thing they should they have that light and shade on the record uh, I think it was important for us to show that we were humans with depth of emotion, right? Yeah. Um, that we didn't intend to put some sort of uh, one particular sound across or try and be one idea for a band and just to write songs that we, like that expressed our feelings genuinely. And if we went in one day and we we're like, oh, here's here's a song that we wrote when we felt this way, that we, w- we could do that as a band. We kept the ideas of what we could be as a band open. And so uh, we wanted to be straight up front from the get-go that we intended to not just be one vibe and that we would just explore what we wanted to explore. And so it was really important for us to make Roy's tune a single yeah. for that reason, that it uh, was completely honest and upfront with people about what we wanted to be. And in a band where you're all kind of contributing um, songs and you want it to be as natural as possible, is it a challenge then to, to, to have, have a, a through line? Where it's all it's all Fontaine's DC, but there's all these other these different kind of aspects to it. I don't know. I think that uh, in the space that we've created as friends and as a band, if a song comes forward and it and it resonates with all of us in in a way that connects us, yeah, then uh, it it makes it a Fontaine's DC song. And the, fr- the friendship in the band is very. I mean, it's it's a big part of what makes the whole thing tick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's all it is for us, really. You know, I mean, like this is just a. Uh, friendship um, that has festered uh, to a point where it's become public like you know what I mean yeah that's all it is but I mean that's not the case for all bands you know yeah I mean, I mean like um, like I, I understand people's ambition to make great art like you know what I mean and yeah. I, I think I think um, I think all of us would individually seek that anyway but um, uh, we're, we're lucky enough that we're not even focused on on, on kind of like you know, like individually pursuing anything that um, is liberating uh, for the self we're kind of just uh, five mates who've found a, a space as Digo said you know um, within the group of ourselves and we, we've kind of like created this world um, where we all exist and like we've all um, idealise certain things that 
people don't have, uh, you know, may, may, maybe the kind of like the, the time or the privilege to, to think about because, you know, we've all encouraged each, each other to, to think about these things as mates. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, we've been allowed to expand on these ideas, you know, and um, we're very, very privileged to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I couldn't ask for better friends than these lads, you know, and um, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do a single, you know, take a single step if it wasn't for these, you know. Well, it's just, I mean, it's, I think uh, it's just an incredible layer to, to the whole uh, Fontaine's DC thing that I think is very, very crucial to, to its success artistically, um, not just the success that you're deservedly enjoying, but it's just its success as an entity. I think it's a very important uh, element to what you do. The Paul McLoon Show on Today FM. Uh, we're coming to another musical choice by another band now. It's an Irish band and uh, holding hands with Jamie, a very celebrated and very praised and rightly so, uh, at the time, a startlingly uh, original uh, debut album from Girl Band. Um, is this a band that has been a big influence on all of you or uh, some of you in particular? Yeah, I think all of us, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything from just the music to seeing an Irish band from Dublin creating unbelievable art and actually getting somewhere with it. That was quite uh, inspiring to see as well. Yeah, because they they did kind of, I mean, there are parallels, not to make too direct a comparison, but there's parallels to the story, if you like, of of, uh, Garaban and what happened with you guys, Uh, you know, a couple of independently uh, released singles and then signing with a a very uh, respected uh, big indie uh, outside of, of Ireland was... Was that to any extent a template for what you uh, knew you wanted to do in terms 100%. of taking it forward? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, look, it's interesting. Like when we go across the seas, you know, like if we're playing, like we played in Iceland, and there were people there, or there was people there coming up to us, being like, you know, you guys are Irish. Do you guys know girl band? You know what I mean? And and it's funny just just to kind of like when you take a step back and you realise that holding hands with Jamie is is genuinely probably uh one of the most um you know quietly influential alternative albums of the last like decade yeah you know what i mean and um like everyone like idols shame viagra boys all of them across 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 the globe you know what i mean um they all take massive influence from from girlman and and what what these people don't understand as well is although the you know although they're really influenced by it and and, and they love the album I think if Gerban came from London, um, it would be it would be you know uh, one you know large step for for mankind in a sense you know because it's so unique and so different and so brave. But uh, coming from Ireland, I think I, I I don't think they realize how massive a step it is and how brave a step it is to take from from this particular island to sound like that. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm. when, when you're in a country that sounds like um, you know, there's a lot of music that's 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 you know. Uh, kind of uh, comfortably kind of like centrist you know what I mean and yeah. like it's, it's, it's very 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 safe you know ever since kind of like you know the Pogues and and uh, you know U2 in the 90s and stuff like that started fading away um, there's a lot of safety in Irish music you know and to take a step like Girlband took from this island takes extreme courage you know Yeah. and um, uh, in spite of the fact that they don't really m- maybe you understand that in, in you know in, in England and in, in America uh, they still love them, you know. So I think that speaks volumes for for how uh, innovative Garaband were, you know. Yeah, I was a little. I'm, I mean, I'll admit, I was a little blindsided by Garaband when they came along. I, I think I wasn't quite ready for it. Maybe I'd been lulled by that yeah. sort of slight conservatism, conservativism uh, that had kind of crept into music, like you say. I mean, I, I not that there's anything 
wrong with that per se. There's there, you know there's there's good bands and bad bands and in, in any kind of anywhere on the spectrum, I guess. But I th- I just wasn't qu- I I didn't I think I didn't receive it properly. I think if, I think, yeah, I, think I, I think when it comes to art like that, Paul, like you not really understanding it is part of the experience. Yeah, I mean you're you're supposed to not understand it for. Yeah. A while. Do you know what I mean? They 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 want you to feel like that for a while, so that when it does happen upon you, there's this like past where you haven't understood it and you finally understand it. And because of the past where you haven't understood it, you understanding it feels monumentous. You know what I mean? Well, I actually had that. I, 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 that's actually what happened earlier. Um, I, I was playing. I hadn't listened to it for a while. Uh, I, I liked it fine. I hadn't played it in, in, in a while. And uh, it came up on your list. So I went and dug it out. Yeah. And uh, stuck on Paul, the track we're about to hear. I should go to a short break first for the premiership and then we'll hear Paul uh, from the album. But I was saying this to Kate earlier. Um, my producer who, who's here and uh, you know I was looking at the deck going 2015 you know and that I, I just I, I appreciated it on a certain level but I didn't fully understand and didn't get my head around it or whatever, you, whatever way you want to put it but now in the context of a lot of stuff that's happened since and a lot of stuff that's very current it, it made perfect sense and I was having a bit of a jaw drop moment yeah. uh, when I was playing it here in the studio you know it's like, yeah, like, I think you know, they I think they put a feeling that was in the air into music that hadn't been put into words yet and I think that we all as a society understand it more now what they had as artists picked up on um, before us yeah, yeah. I think like, mon- most people just weren't ready for it when yeah. it came out and uh, but like it really does feel like right now everyone is ready for it Absolutely astonishing stuff. Girl band from Holding Hands with Jamie and a track called Paul. That's not why I'm playing it. It's just I'm playing it because it's great and also because it was chosen by Fontaine's DC who are still with me. Uh, more to come uh, from the band, uh, catching up with more, more of their music, more of other people's music that they've chosen as well. Going to go straight to the next choice though and uh, actually I'm not even going to bother introducing it because it's a completely redundant thing to do. Here it is. <laughs> you say about Rainy Night in Soho by the Pogues that hasn't probably been said so many times what a beautiful beautiful song and another choice from Fontaine's DC was it one of you in particular uh, that that song means a lot to you or is it again another kind of just a, something that you've all agreed on over time uh, it's absolutely like, a, like a, a, a binding glue between us like I mean yeah a tune is so integral to uh, to our like that, that band really soundtracks our um, experience together as mates you know yeah um, because it wasn't something that was necessarily like, sort of, um, you know, like a, a like a, it, it's 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 not it's not a very sort of like modern char- characteristic for for people our age to really be into the bands like the Pogues. You know, we all kind of like rediscovered them as mates. You know, yeah. And w- we felt like the experience of listening to them was was uh, exclusive to us for for a short time before we realised, you know, how massively globally successful they were. <laughs> you know, uh, but but still, it's a long way back. I it, mean, the Pogues in their heyday. It yeah. is, and and. Um, we just we just related to the song and to the, like, you know to that song in particular, but to the band so much and, and to their sort of like camaraderie, um, and to the lyrics and the debauchery and the story and the the yeah yeah this happiness and sadness intertwined, you know. And of course, the lyricism of 
Shane McGowan is something that the, the comparisons are inevitably going to be drawn um, with you guys, particularly in in the, the, the you've got a beautiful song that closes the album, which we won't be hearing tonight, but it's a gorgeous song, Dublin City Sky, and that clearly is uh, speaks to your affection for the Pogues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if someone was to say that you know. Um, my lyrics weren't as good as Shane McGowan's. That would still be more flattering than someone saying my someone saying my lyrics are really good. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, if someone said like you know, uh, you know, sh- I, I don't know. Look, look, it's 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 su- such an obvious comparison to compare um, our lyrics to to the Pogues, you know, and and like it is very flattering at the same time. Yeah. Um, but the last song in the album is called Dublin City Sky, and it's it's a it's a homage really to to our fundamental influence, which is which is Shane McGowan and, and and the Pogues, you know, and that's 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 really close to our heart. And something we didn't want to leave off the album because we didn't want to uh, shy away from um, that aspect of ourselves, like you know, um, it's very emotional. Very yeah, emotional. It is. It's the uh, and I actually wrote about this. It's an emo- it's kind of the emotional. Uh, it's the big emotional punch on on, on the record for me. It really mm. kind of. I I think it would be a great great shame if you've left it off. Um, we're going to finish this hour with one more track. Uh, from the album, this is the real, the, the recent single "Too Real." I have to reach behind me to press play on the record machine. Here it is. Welcome back. It's the last hour of the show. It seems to have flown in, as it always does when we do these uh, chats and trying to get through as many tracks as you can from the band or as many choices uh, musically from Fontaine's DC as we've tried this evening, but you never cover as much ground as you want to. And unfortunately, I, I've got to let you go. Um, but thanks so much for coming in. Really, really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us. Pleasure as always, you know. No, no, I, it, it's, it's just been just been great and I'm delighted for you. I'm delighted for uh, how it's been going and all the best with Doggerl. It's out on April 12th. We will have more new music from Doggerel next week uh, on the show. Uh, you have a day or two off anyway now where you can just relax. Mm-hmm. Hard yeah. earned by the sound of it, I have to say. So uh, the best of luck with that. Enjoy your downtime. Well deserved. And uh, the best of luck with uh, the album uh, released April 12th. Is there a big, big fancy launch that I haven't heard about yet? We're, we're going to be on tour, you know. So ah, right, okay. I think we'll be in Leeds on the day that it's released, only. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, doing some... Uh, show there for the release so. and then the uh, I was playing Idols earlier on we were talking about them I can't, I can't remember now if we were on air or off air when we were talking about Idols they were certainly mentioned uh, you've got is, has that, those American dates with them have they still be happening or did they happen already they're happening in May in May we'll be out for a month with them um, all over America okay I know another band that's going to be in America in May yeah Who's that? that? That would be the undertones, but we'll have to... Uh, oh, wait, can, oh, I, can, yeah. I, can we do that this time in America? Do you know what? If can I come on stage with you in America? It's, it's it, in Kansas. Yeah, well, I don't know if we're making it to Kansas, Dorothy, but, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We'll have to compare notes. We'll have to do that. You All never right. know. It'd be great if we if we did happen to be in the same city at the same time. That would be just amazing. I'll get someone um, else to play my part. 
we'll come with you. I'll, ha- yeah. I'll have our jet fueled for you. Um, listen, thanks so much for coming in, lads. Uh, uh, it, it's, been, it's been absolutely yeah. great. Tom, uh, as well, I know you haven't been... Uh, say- Hi, Hi, Tom. How are you, Paul? I'm All right. Yeah, there he is. He's a bit shy. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> uh, typical drummer. Very shy fellas drummers, aren't they? Very yeah, backers are coming forward. Anyway, thank expressive you. in their instruments. You know, Loud and quiet. Thank you, Tom and Carlos and Green and Diego. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, Fontaine's DC live in the studio this evening. Thanks for bringing in the uh, the test pressing as well, which sounded really good on sounds, vinyl. Yeah, sounds, yes, beautifully, well. beautifully pressed. Uh, someone just uh, texting in. Kieran says, uh, Fontaine's DC, just brilliant lyrics, vocals, drums and guitars. Held up by a great rolling or bubbling bass lines. Rolling or bubbling bass lines. There you go. What do you make of that? There you go. Well, were you going for what to make of that? Were you going for rolling or were you going for bubbling? Well, it wasn't a biscuit cake. (laughs) (laughs) I they're 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 both. They're rolling, bubbling, and I was just remarking on how how well the drums and the bass uh, sounded on the last track that we heard. But anyway, that is from Kieran. Thanks very much for that. A a million texts in this evening. That's a mild exaggeration, but a lot of texts in uh, this evening. So thank you so much once again. Final uh, music choice, just briefly, because I know you got to run out the door. It's uh, our epic after 11, actually. It it fits quite well into the format of the show. Just under six minutes. Epic enough. And it is Bob Dylan. Tombstone Blues. Uh, Any particular... Uh, funnily enough, I was just having this conversation with our own John Cadell the other day, trying to pick a favourite Dylan album or a favourite Dylan song. It's a pretty uh, daunting prospect, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So why this one in particular? Because uh, just after we released Liberty Bell, we went on tour um, in Spain together and uh, Carlos's sister's polo all packed into a tiny car. And uh, the first time we listened to this as a band was driving on a six or seven hour drive in 30 degree weather and it was this song that came on and... Uh, just really made us appreciate the rock and roll side of Dylan uh, more than ever. And the rock and roll side of a, a Volkswagen Polo as well, I'd say, in those particular... Yeah. So I hope the aircon was working. It's very important to appreciate that. We, if, when, when you're spending so much time in it, it's very important to see it as a rock and roll thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you're just very, very claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I was just going to say that, like, that there was a moment there where, where we were travelling through this and it was like, you know, there, there, there were heat waves on the horizon, you know what I mean? It was that kind of weather. Yeah, and, uh, oh, I know it, yeah. This, this tune came on and we were all actually, you know, open mouths listening to the, to the lyrics for the first time, you know. Okay, well, there, there you go. You've set the scene. You've, you've planted the image in people's minds and if you haven't spent time cooped up five or six of you in a Volkswagen Polo, you just, you're not really in a band, to be honest. Um, <laughs> listen, thanks once again. You've got to go. It's been absolutely brilliant. Fontaine's DC uh, back in Dublin the 8th, well, the 7th and 8th of December in uh, Vicker Street. Also, before that, doing All Together Now, if you're heading down to that at the August Bank Holiday Weekend, do not miss Fontaine's DC live on stage back in Ireland. The album, the all-important album, Doggerel, released on April 12th. Gentlemen, thanks once again. Paul McLoon, supporting Irish music. Today FM.